dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or savor a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, we return to downtown Paso Robles and a downtown wine district episode. And it's a special one. As I sit down with Michael Budd of Dracina Wines. Yep, my hubby and co-owner of our winery. Michael shares his love of Cabernet Franc, how Dracina Wines got its start, and what is so special about having a tasting room in downtown wine district. There also is a bit of conversation about the upcoming Downtown Vibe event happening in October that you are not going to want to miss. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, you know that many ask for Patreon. We do not plan on doing this, but we do ask you to support the podcast by leaving a review. It takes only a few seconds of your time, but means so much to the show. The next best way to support Exploring the Wine Glass is to tell your friends. If you enjoy the podcast, your wine-loving friends will too. Finally, don't forget to head to the website, exploringthewineglass.com, to read the blog and sign up for the newsletter so that you can keep up with all things happening. Slancha! Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, Spanish wine scholar, someday service, champagne and cotteron specialist, and a WSET level two graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. Stay in the know about all things wine by visiting my website, exploringthewineglass.com. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Allure of the Poor, sponsored by Dracina Wines, and this is another downtown Paso edition. And today I have Michael Budd from Dracina Wines, and in full disclosure, he is my husband. We own Dracina Wines. But we are proud to be part of the downtown wine district, and we are continuing with exploring why it is great to be downtown winery. So, hey. Morning, Lori. How are you? I am good. (laughs) All right. So the first question I ask everybody, so it's going to be the same for you, is the origin story. How did you fall in love with wine? Yeah, so... um... When uh, Lori and I were dating for the for the audience, when we were dating, um, we uh, I was always the cook. I was always kind of the uh, the chef in the house, chef in the family. Um, so when we were dating, we would uh, kind of get into wine on Fridays and Saturday nights um, to kind of stay home, cook a meal, um, and we would alternate who was purchasing wine. So we started out going to a local wine shop and kind of buying as a as a young person growing up in, in the world, um, you don't have a lot of free income. So you're kind of starting out on the bottom shelf of uh, your local wine shop. And as we began to get additional funding, um, you kind of began to move up the shelf a little higher and you began to really explore different types of wines, whether it was from California, Europe, um, Australia, New Zealand. And you really began to develop a palette of what you, what you really liked, whether from varietal perspective, as well as um, the, the regional aspect of different types of wines. Um, so the more and more we explored and then we kind of, uh, we had some friends that were really into wine. 
we decided to really go visit Napa Sonoma as anybody would do in, in the United States. You want to go visit the region that really put America on the map. And we, uh, we really fell in love with, with wine from that perspective. Um, and then moved on from there from Napa Sonoma, um, talked a little bit about Paso um, and how did we find Paso? Well, we decided to kind of take a trip on the California coast one day, fly into San Francisco from New Jersey, fly out of LA. Um, and as we were driving down the coast, we were looking for places to stop, found Paso, said, hey, there's some, uh, there's some great wineries in Paso. Um, and I've actually never returned, kind of fell in love with the region from there and the, and the pay it forward and how really great everybody in the community is um, across the board in, in Paso. Yeah. And, you know, I tell the story all the time of that first time we met uh, Norm over at Dark Star with with him and just how he told everything, right? It's, you know, told us what to look for, how to help, what to do and all of that stuff. So Paso is pretty darn special. Yes, totally agree. So the name of the winery, Dracina, right? I mean, people have no idea how to spell it. No, I have no idea how to pronounce it. Uh, how did how did you come up with Dracina? Yeah, so it is it is phonetically spelled on the back of our of our classic, um, our classic Cabernet Franc. Um, we did that on purpose for to help people explain how uh, how to pronounce the name. Um, so Draco was our wine moroner for 14 years. Um, he was our first first love for, for both you and I. Um, he was kind of our, our test child, so to speak. Um, we saw him uh, develop in the womb. We were we were notified when actually the, 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 the mother had conceived successfully um, and puppies were on the way. Um, little pictures of, of Draco in, in our lap. Um, running around in the yard. It was, it was a, it was a great kind of experience. Um, he was with us for 14 years. Um, when he passed really ripped a hole in our heart, like anybody who's a, who's a pet lover. Um, when you lose that, that pet, um, it, it, it just, it really impacts you. So we, we got a Draco tree, um, which is kind of a, a palm, fa- palm frond tree that exists, um, that originates in the Canary Islands. Um, we put it in a place where he used to sleep kind of as a little memorial to him. And we wanted to start the winery. Most people know we are both scientists by education. Um, we kind of looked at the Draco tree and said we wanted him to be a big component of that winery. Um, and the Dracaena is the genus name of a Draco tree. So it's a Dracaena Draco. Um, so he's kind of a, he endures the label, the tree endures the label, the tree is part of our logo. So it, it really is a, a, a full circle of our education, our love for science, um, and the love for our our, uh, our first love of wine running. Oh, the wineies. <laughs> so, Dracina is really a Cab Franc um, specialist house. Uh, they're a Cab Franc house. So, why why Cab Franc? What did? Yeah. Um, so, Cab Franc for us, um, you're right. We are we are specialists in Cab Franc. Um, when we wanted to do something in the winery, we wanted to be different. Um, we didn't want to have to compete with all of the big giants of the world. Um, and way back uh, when we were tasting in Napa Sonoma, um, we stumbled upon a winery um, over on the Silverado Trail. We're in kind of doing a normal tasting kind of, tasting kind of things. Didn't really have anything that we liked at this particular winery. Um, and the young girl behind the counter. Um, happened to have a bottle kind of behind the counter that that secret pour, so to speak. She poured the wine blindly to to both you and I, Lori. We kind of fell in love with that wine. We we explored. We said, "Well, what is this?" It was just so different than what we had ever tasted before. And uh, she happened to spin it. We kind of described it. She happened to spin it around, and it was a Cab Franc. And we went, well, "Cab Franc? What is that? Never heard of it before." Just like every every you know 
that was uh, almost over 20 years ago when we kind of did that. Um, and it's really taken a mind of its own from now, you know, with the help of Cab Franc Day, so to speak. But ever since that point, we kind of fell on a mission to find producers of Cab Franc, whether it's European, um, South American, um, all, all across the United States. And we've kind of, that's really where that passion started from. So when we wanted to do the winery, of course, we had to do a Cab Franc. So Cab Franc is where we stake our claim. Um, Cab Franc is that pretty much what we're known for. Um, or Cab Franc in that variations of Cab Franc with leading predominating varietal if, if there's other wines blended into it to kind of help it along. But um, Cab Franc is really where our passion passion lied. And um, we kind of make, make wines that we like to drink because uh, if nobody buys them, then we've got a lot, of, a lot of wine to drink. And so the first vintage for Dracena Wines was actually 2013. Tell us what was like, what was going through your mind as we were going through that vintage? Yeah, great question. Um it was really, it was, it was kind of nerve wracking um, to try to figure out how to do this one East Coast to West Coast, um, flying back and forth, um, new into the wine world. Is it going to be good? Are we going to, are we going to screw up somewhere along the way? Um, we've just kind of jumped in with both feet, kind of where we started in the beginning of this conversation, where Paso is very much a, um, a pay it forward kind of community. Um, as you mentioned, Norm, um, we were sourcing the the, the fruit from the same vineyard he was sourcing from. It gave us all the ins and outs of things we needed to do to go along the way, um, things we needed to watch out for, things with how we looked at fermentation, how we wanted to handle potential oak treatment. Um, we used that as a guide. Um, we kind of did our own thing from that perspective. But finally, when it came out in barrel and or came out in bottle in the end, um, and that submission into to wine enthusiast and getting a, a 91 and wine enthusiast really kind of set us on that path to say, maybe we do know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah and uh in the 10 years right cap cap franc has ever seen anything less than a 90 and multiple double gold medals multiple best of shows so you know it is resting the laurels on cap franc which isn't exactly the most popular grape variety in in paso or really anywhere um, unless you're in the Loire valley uh so what's one of the issues with being a cap franc house well, there's there's numerous ones um <laughs> one everybody comes in and said well you know if, if you're at an event and you're pouring your wine they always say well i'm going to come up and try the cab i'm like well we don't have a cab so would you like to try our cab franc is kind of a little a little joust events cabernet sauvignon but um i think a lot of the things is me is is really the the vineyard selection site selection we are firm believers that uh, you can't make great wine with poor with poor fruit or poor uh, poor vineyard practices. Um, so we really focus upon the vineyard site. Um, we prefer Cab Francs that don't have that green green pepper varietal character. Um, we want it to have a little bit, so to speak. So you get you you know that it's a Cab Franc, um, but we don't like that varietal character. So we try to. From a vineyard perspective and a vineyard selection, um, we focus upon getting that sunlight into the fruit without necessarily turning it into raisins or making them overripe to kind of drive off that that pyrazine profile. So um, that's some of the things to really watch out for in, in Cab Franc is is that is that pyrazine look, and then you know anything in in California to drive that drive that peach, you almost have to drive a bit of ripeness. Um, so you're looking to balance that ripeness with the acidity and and profile to kind of help clean up the mouth. Um, after you taste it. And can you go a little bit deeper into, you talked about the sun and the pyrazine, like without going too, too geeky, but semi-geeky, what's that relationship? Yeah. So actually the, the green profile in, in those wines, it's, it's present in Cabernet Sauvignon, it's present in Cabernet Franc, um, it's present in, in Cabernet Franc clones. 
pyrazines essentially are what give you that green pepper profile or that vegetal vegetal profile in wines. And it doesn't break down with ripeness. It actually breaks down with sunlight. Um, so what you're looking for is, is a vineyard that has a lot of morning sunlight, has a lot of um, sunlight through the that goes through the canopy, um, but you don't want all that afternoon sun so that so that bakes the bakes the fruit um, and bakes the bakes the clusters. Um, so you kind of want an orientation in the vineyard, um, an orientation of, of of the trellis system, so that it gets that morning sunlight. Some leaves are are still on to allow the the clusters to get sunlight through the through the early part of the afternoon. And then the latter afternoon where the sun is really intense in Paso, when you're up in 95, 105 degrees, um, those clusters are shaded, so they're not getting uh, sunburn. And then that leads us to Cab Franc, kind of across the globe type thing. How do you compare Dracaena wines to like, uh, you know, Finger Lakes Cab Franc or, you know, even the Bordeaux or Loire? Uh, like how does Paso fruit cab, how does Paso Cab Franc present itself? I, I think Paso Cab Franc and, and most of the places where it's grown um, in the region doesn't get a lot of that, that pyrazine profile, but there are wines in Paso. We've, we've had them, we've tasted them. Um, we love going out and tasting other Cab Francs to see what we can learn. Um, and as I said, it's uh, it is very much a pay it forward kind of community where you kind of like something in a profile and or like something in a wine and you kind of continue to ask the winemakers um, or the people that are there running the winery and say, well, how, how did you how did you get this? Where are you sourcing your fruit from? How are they growing it? I think a lot of Europe has, um, you know, in the Loire and, and in Hungary, um, you get a lot of that green pepper profile because they just don't have the the amount of sunlight, the amount of days. Global warming probably can change that a bit as we go forward, but I'm not going to get in that political ballgame here where Paso, um, as well as in uh, another a number of regions in South America, their Cab Franc tends to be a little riper, tends to get a lot more of that sunlight um, and kind of balances out that that pyrazine profile. So I think um, Paso is probably similar to, to Napa Sonoma, um, where you're getting plenty of sunlight on the fruit. Um, and then it's a matter of uh, how the vineyard how the vineyard is is cropped, how the vineyard is grown, and the types of soils, whether it's uh, rocky, sandy, um, loam, cal uh, calcareous, as in Paso, um, you get some of that profile showing up in the fruit. And then, so what is your favorite part of being in the wine industry? Great question. It's certainly a labor of love. Put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of passion. A lot of a lot of. Uh, Interacting with people, um, some of my favorite experiences are um, whether people are truthful or not. But some of my favorite experiences are are when you pour your wine for somebody. Um, they don't really describe it in any way, but they kind of get this big, big grin on their face, like "Wow, this wine is really good." It makes you feel like you're um, kind of our tagline of of our wines plus your moments even equal great memories. So um, our wine helping those people. Um, take the moments of when they're sharing our wine because wine is really designed to be shared, right? It's not it's not intended to be drunk alone. Um, granted, you 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 can't have a glass sitting around, but you think about the moments that you have. You think about the memories that you have in serving wine. It's always with friends. Um, you think back to to great wines that you've had and put into your cellar. You can almost remember the tasting room experience of when you've had that wine. First buying a wine off the off a store shelf, really don't remember it unless it's used in a in a great setting. Um, but that interaction with friends, interaction with families, interactions with colleagues um, really goes a long way and kind of makes you smile when your wine becomes a part of that. And so 
with that, there's so much effort that goes in behind the scenes that people don't know about the winemaking process and everything. So what is like one of the skills you think needs to a, a winemaker needs to have in order to continually make successful and great tasting wine? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it is there, there's a couple of elements to, to answer that question. Um, I think learning and be, being open to learning, being open to making a mistake, not being not being afraid to make a mistake. Our size, a mistake can become really, really costly when you're when you're about 400 cases of wine. A mistake in a barrel can become really, really expensive. Without making those mistakes or without learning, you really can't move um, your business forward. You can't stay static because everyone will in, will in turn pass you. I think another element is having a, a really strong education. My background is in chemistry. Um, I work in chemistry. My day job has been in chemistry. So understanding the nuances of how things work, why you do things in a certain way, I think understanding the why is really important of not just um, executing against it. But then also, what was it? What was where? Where would you say the other question you asked me? What like I just said? What what is a skill you need to be a successful winemaker? What? Thanks. So that was the reminder. Um, so the other other element of that is um, really refining your palate um, of having a palate partnership. And I think that's one of the things that um, I think really works well between uh, the two of us at Dracina Wines um, is we have refined palates. We know what we're looking for, but yet we those, those palates are complementary. We both look at different things in a different way. Um, and when we're blending wines or, or making wines, um, we're kind of uh, developing a what to do together. Um, so you might taste something, I might taste something, and we kind of continue to refine that process and continue to develop it in, until the wine develops into the bottle. And so if you were, if you had to say winemaking, is it a proactive skill or a reactive skill or a combination thereof? <laughs> I think it's a combination of um, one, I've always kind of lived life by um, you don't fail to plan. Um, you you, know, you, you kind of want to plan for the future of what could be thrown at you. You can't anticipate everything that's going to happen, um, but you in turn want to think about if the vintage tends to go in a certain direction, um, if the vineyard is holding a lot of fruit, um, green dropping some of that fruit and taking a risk that you're not going to have enough coming in, um, but you want to green drop it early so the vine's got enough energy to ripen the clusters that are there. It's a risk. So taking those risks but then also just understanding what to kind of do going forward and being prepared to anything that could be thrown at you, whether you've got, um, I think back to a vintage, I think it was 2017 um, where Paso was set to get rain um, for two straight weeks and our clusters were still hanging on the vine. I didn't, wasn't sure if they were going to be ready or not, um, but I knew that rain was going to be an issue. So if I had to hang them for another four weeks waiting for the clusters to dry, it was going to make it worse than maybe picking something a little bit earlier by a week or two. Um, made that decision and made solid wine in that vintage. So that's kind of a lesson learned of things that can impact you, making a decision against that and not regretting that decision. And then you take that from one vintage into the next vintage. So learning like about the the heat spikes, right? The heat spikes in two vintages ago, and then brave enough to wait out the heat heat spikes last vintage, right? right. Yeah. What happened with that? Yeah, so that was uh, 
we had probably in Paso, we had a like a two to three straight weeks of in August and September of 100 plus weather. The vines were getting plenty of water, but they just, it couldn't be enough. The vine just kept shutting down. Um, and one of the things that, that's great about Paso is you get that afternoon, get that afternoon heat, but then the evenings cooled down to the 50s and 60s. The evenings just weren't cooling down. The vines could never really recover. So by waiting that out by a couple of weeks, um, having the vineyard essentially continuing to water the vines, continuing to get water into the fruit, it backed the bricks out from, from 28 to 29, brought it down into that 25 range. The fruit was ready to be picked. We just kind of had to get the sugars right and off we go. And so what, 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 let's go back one step. What does Dracaena wines make? Let's go over all of the wines that they make. So, um, Cabernet Franc, of course. Um, we make, um, a kind of think about them in order. So we make Cabernet Franc, which is a classic, classic Cabernet Franc, which is, um, the majority of the time, a blend, um, of Cabernet Franc and a couple of other varietals that we might think, um, kind of help that wine along or kind of change the dimension of that wine versus our reserve. Um, we make a very small quantity of reserve, um, somewhere between um, 30 and 45 cases of that reserve every year. It's almost exclusively sold to our wine club members. That wine is 100% Cab Franc. It is always 100% Cab Franc um, from a single clone in the vineyard. Um, so we pick the best barrels that are going, that are made from that clone. Um, and put that exclusively into our into our reserve. Um, we make a rosé. Yep, that's our that's a reserve wine. Thank you for showing that. Yeah, that's there. We'll share it together. <laughs> of course, my camera's on uh, on background. So we make a rosé, um, and that rosé is actually called Cordeline because the rosé, the fruit that goes in the rosé, um, is different kind of every year depending um, what we're getting our hands on. Um, this year happens to be fifty percent Grenache, fifty percent Tempranillo, kind of pick to be a rosé. So we make a Provencal style rosé, which is which is dry. Um, we do a Chenin Blanc. Anybody who knows Cab Franc in the Loire, the white wine that pairs up with that Cab Franc in the Loire is Chenin Blanc. So we don't source Chenin. We actually go up to Clarksburg to source our Chenin Blanc, which is kind of sitting on the Delta Gap. Uh, a lot of nice silt soils up there. So that's where we get our Chenin Blanc from, which is the only fruit we don't use from Paso. We did a Phoenix um, wine in 2020, it's actually a non-vintage wine. So we lost our fruit in 2020 um, due to smoke um, and a fire that was that was right near the right near our vineyard where we source our Cab Franc. So we held back some of our 19 and blended in some 2021 Merlot. Um, so that was a still a Cab Franc, but it would have been a non-vintage wine by the way it was made. Kind of debating whether we're going to bring that wine back or it's going to be a one-off or not. So we've kind of had those discussions. Um, and this year we're introducing for the first time Cinnabari. Um, Cinnabari is a, um, an offshoot of our Cabernet Franc passion. Um, so Cab Franc is a, uh, is the father of numerous, numerous grape varieties, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, um, Carmenere. Um, so what we wanted to do was make a wine with Cab Franc as well, but also reminiscent of Cab Franc siblings or Cab Franc's children. Um, so that wine will always be a blend of Cab Franc siblings with um with some cab franc blended in so that will be our uh, one of our red wine blends going forward that we'll look to do every year and the cinnabari why is it that name yeah so cinnabari um sticking with the dracaena uh the dracaena kind of concept so cinnabari is another type of dracaena tree so we have the dracaena draco which is gracing all of our labels so cinnabari is a relative of uh is another type of dracaena and when people look at it it is often confused 
with Dracina Draco, kind of uh, a, a brethren or a cousin of, of Dracina Draco, just thus Dracina Cinnabari. Okay. So kind of sticking to that theme um, of science and, and geekiness in the uh, in the marketing world. And you, I think you started, but the Coraline is also a Dracina tree. And now a word from our sponsor. The 27 individual tasting rooms that make up the downtown wine district are situated in the heart of Paso Robles city center, where you are only steps away from all Paso Robles has to offer in the way of dining, shopping, and entertainment. Visit downtown Paso Robles to find yourself among the greatest concentration of wineries in the area. In downtown, consumers can experience Paso Robles' rich and diverse wine country lifestyle, sample quality wines from each of the region's 11 distinct sub-appellations, and have the opportunity to meet vintners that are as passionate about downtown as they are about their wine. Correct. Yeah. So Cordeline, uh, Dracina Cordeline, it's a tree similar to, it's not quite as gnarly as a Dracina Draco. If anybody's been in a tasting room and seen the Dracina Draco on the, on the wall, Dracina Cordeline um, is, has pink leaves. It's really kind of a skinny tree, um, skinny, skinny Dracina. Um, So Dracina Cordeline, um, pink leaves, um, pink wine, um, thus Cordeline. And so Dracina just opened their tasting room, their very first tasting room in downtown. So why why did we choose just downtown? <laughs> um, great question. Um, I think most of the the tasting rooms that exist um, out in the vineyard, most of them are wineries, and we necessarily don't have that that winery aspect. We make our wines at a at a at, a, at an alternating proprietorship, but downtown has just got such a great vibe to it. Um, there's a lot of great tasting rooms that are downtown, um, and everybody's really open and and looking to kind of interact with each other. So sharing recommendations um, back and forth, the kind of wines that people might like to drink. Hey, go try here. There's a there's a great association that's downtown for all of the wineries where we kind of share our thoughts and what's going on in the marketplace. And downtown is from a, a young business starting out. Um, a lot of downtown is walk-ins. A lot of downtown is people just kind of strolling around, um, doing some shopping, having lunch, having dinner, um, and just kind of popping in. So it's a great place to really interact with people. You don't get that as much um, out in the out in 46 East or out off of 46 West. People are going there for a reason. We're downtown and tend to be strolling and dropping in. So um, with a young brand, a young business like ours, granted, it's been 10 years, but we haven't really had a, um, a solid presence other than online. Um, it felt like a great opportunity to kind of grow the business and grow the brand and introduce people to Dracina Wines. And if someone hasn't been to Paso before, how do, how do you describe Paso? I describe Paso. It is, um, one, all of the wineries are very open. Um, all of the wineries are not open, like open all the time, um, but all the wineries, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised if you walked into a to a smaller mid-scale winery, introduce yourself to the owners. You're walking into our tasting room. You're going to meet one of us, if not both of us, as well as our, our wine around or Vegas. So any one of those people, you, you'd be having great conversations with the person who comes. Paso is very consumer driven. Um, I think it's very focused upon the customer. Um, it's, not, it's not cutthroat in any way. Um, everybody's looking open and, and share. And you're going to try a lot of different wines. There's a lot of Paso that's built around Rhones, but depending, it's, I find it, it's, I still struggle with the aspect of there's an East and a West side of Paso. 
divided by a highway. Um, it's not divided by a physical landmass. It's divided by a highway. Yet the wines that are grown on the east side versus grown or the grapes that are grown on the west side versus the east side just produce very different wines, which I struggle to, as a scientist, I struggle. It's divided by a highway. Why does that matter? West side is a bit more mountainous, I would probably call it. The east side is probably a little hotter because it's flatter. The water varies between the two, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just a great region and a, a great place to, to visit. Whether you're looking for small wineries, big wineries, depending what you're um, you're looking for, it's not very pretentious, put it that way. And then that same question, but how would you describe Paso downtown to somebody? Paso downtown, it is growing. Um, I think we've got three new tasting rooms coming in um, from some from some from some good sized wineries. Um, there is a there is a, a constant change and a and a turnover a bit. There's some there's some mainstays. But there are new wineries coming in. There's new wines coming out. Very few require an appointment. Making an appointment is always great because it reserves a spot. But very few, to, it's really easy to drop in, interact, meet the people, um, and just have a glass of wine, enjoy a tasting, and take in the view. And now, a word from our sponsor. Did you know that Dracina Wines has a wine club? We named it the Chalk Club. Draco is on our label, but Vegas was getting a bit jealous. So we decided he deserved to be our wine club's books dog. In Las Vegas, betting chalk means that you are betting on all of the favorites, and we're gambling that once you taste our wines, we will become one of your favorite wineries. The club is simple, yet a bit different than most. We don't ask for a lot of commitment like others do. Choose between three tiers, the Sweet 16, where you will receive three bottles twice a year and get 15% off all orders. Sign up for the Elite Eight and get 20% off all orders and receive four bottles twice a year, or make it to the final four and receive six bottles twice a year, as well as receiving 25% off purchases. All tiers receive discounted shipping, are customizable, and are eligible for unlimited referral bonuses. Add $15 to the bank for each person you refer. Head to www.dracinowines.com to use the link in the show notes to find out all the Chalk Club has to offer and to sign up. We've stocked the odds so that you can get our award-winning wines without breaking the bank. So, well, you know what? I absolutely love the. Right now, the sunsets have been incredible in downtown, but... Um, well, obviously all of Paso, but I'm standing in downtown while it's happening. But I just think that the the people the people who come to downtown can expect so much in one location. You know, they can wine taste if they would like. They can have dinner or lunch if they would like. And there's so many restaurants in the area that there you know there's a choice, and they can park their car, walk around, and have choices all day long. In fact, you could probably spend more than one day in just downtown because there's just so many options. There's stores there, you know, there's the general store, there's clothing stores, there's shoe stores, there's fast food, there's everything. Plus, I think we are now at 29 wineries. So, so much to do. Um, Just make sure you get your two hours free parking and pay after that. Nice little, uh, nice little. I mean, yeah. There's, there's plus. There's a, there's a nice little park that you can kind of bring a blanket and just kind of lie down and lie down under the trees and enjoy some of the shade. Dogs walking around all over the place. It's uh, down, downtown's a lot of fun. Plus so, a couple of brew- if you're tired of wine tasting, you can, you can hit up a couple of beers and, and, uh, and enjoy that as well. And so, where exactly is Dracina Wines located? <laughs> so our tasting room is on the corner of Thirteenth and Pine. Um, we've got windows on both sides. 
Um, but we're right on the corner of 13th and Pine. And dog friendly? Absolutely dog friendly. <laughs> um, bringing a dog in, they're most likely going to get a treat um, from one of us. Um, probably going to meet Vegas, um, potentially, depending when somebody's stopping in. Um, so Vegas is our, uh, our second one, Rana, that we've had for 14 years. And uh, hopefully very soon, uh, uh, a lot of those dogs walking in will have their own bandanas with uh, uh, a casino, <laughs> a casino logo. Somewhere, somewhere down the line, whenever they whenever they get shipped, it's only and, been three months. <laughs> and so we, you know, Draco has the winery, but Vegas has an important role in the in the winery. Also, what's Vegas's role in the winery? So, well, Vegas is the uh, the the chief greeter um, when people come in. So um, usually he's either lying down in front of the door, lying on his bed, um, or somewhere between Lori and I, if we are on opposite sides of the tasting room. So he greets people coming in. Um, but then he's also part of our wine club. So, um, our wine club is named the chalk club. Uh, it's got an element to it of, uh, Lori and I are both huge college basketball fans. Um, so there's, there's tiers, there's brackets, so to speak, um, which is the sweet 16 elite eight and final four. And the wine, it's called the Chalk Club because if you're in Vegas and you're betting chalk, um, you're betting on all of the favorites. We're uh, we're betting that after you taste our wines, that we become one of your favorites. Um, thus, we become your chalk. Wonderful. And then how can people find Dracina Wines? <laughs> you can find us by visiting us in the tasting room. Come on down. Love to have you. Um, you can also find us through our website, so DracinaWines.com. And of course, Lori's got all of the social media addresses going as well. So Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find us in all of those places. And um, if you'd like, um, you also can sign up for our newsletter. So we publish a monthly newsletter of happenings um, that's going on, whether there's events that are going on in the tasting room, um, new wines that are being released, wines that are getting really low in stock down to, down to say, a case when we've we've had that recently. If anybody's still interested in, in purchasing that wine, we've got 12 bottles left. So it's a great way to kind of keep in touch of a, of a monthly email. It's not one of those barrages of you get an email every day and like I've had enough um, mm -hmm. and remove them from your mailing list. And uh, what special events, right? There's special events done at the tasting room. So um, we do trivia nights on, on one Wednesday a month. So Lori's running a trivia night one Wednesday a month. All of the the greatest things. I think the, the last one was uh, was a friend's trivia night upcoming, which is recently sold out, which is Harry Potter. Um, and then there's a, a Seinfeld one coming up in October. Lori's giving Bunko a shot. Um, and seeing how people like, I understand Bunko is this, this craze. Um, I don't play it, but I understand it's a craze. And then we're looking to do some music in, uh, on October 6th, um, with Rolf. Um, so we'll, we'll do that Friday night, um, from six to nine. Okay. Excellent. So just, uh, come on by to downtown. And if you had just to close out our downtown, I was excited. You called it vibe that we have down in downtown because in October, uh, the whole downtown is getting together to do the downtown vibe. And that is the weekend of the 5th, October 15th. So uh, Dracina Wine, like all the wineries are kind of getting together and doing different things. So if you go to the downtown wine district's website, uh, which will be linked in the show notes, you'll be able to see all of the events that are already scheduled and make sure you keep going back to the website to see things that are happening at the wineries and as new events pop up, they will be adding that to um, that website. And also they are on Instagram, also downtown wine district. So you can keep up on everything that's going on with the vibe. So 
I don't have any more questions. Did I forget something? No, like I often do. (laughs) Sounds great. I appreciated the conversation. Um, Great day. And I'd love to introduce Dracaena Wines to a whole new, whole new uh, set of individuals. Yes, it would be awesome. And you can schedule a tasting so you can go through our entire portfolio. The only way you can go through our entire portfolio is to actually schedule a tasting with us. Walk-ins get a portion of it. But if you schedule the tasting, you get our entire portfolio. So come on downtown, visit us, visit all the other wineries in downtown and have a great day in Paso. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoyt Bud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter at exploringthewineglass.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Podcast music is Wine by Kievitz. Until next week, slancha. Right now.